0: Praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. How about take somebody by the hand right now, just take them by the hand and say, hold on, hold on, I'm here if you need anybody, I'm here, hold on, we're fixing to take a ride of our life, praise the Lord, <laughs> amen. So you, you got somebody that's going to hold you in case you're coming out of the roller coaster because we're going to take a ride, amen. And how are we going to do that? We're going to just close our eyes right now, we're going to lift our hands and we're going to say, welcome Holy Spirit. Welcome. Go ahead and just say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Say, Spirit of the living God, come and do what you want to do. Say, move powerfully, move supernaturally. Just go ahead and just tell Him, Holy Spirit, just have your way. Just just go ahead and say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Spirit of the living God, have your way. Hallelujah. Are are you serious? Are you serious? Say, God, you see, Just, just tell Him right now, search me. If there's anything in me that needs a touch from heaven, do it, Lord. As only you can do it, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord God, you hear you hear the prayer, you hear the desire of the hearts of your people. And I thank you, God, that we don't have to beg you and plead with you and, and work you up for you to come and do what you do by your very nature. We just have to welcome you. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, come on, let's just go ahead in advance and give God praise for what He's going to do before we leave here. We've gathered together in one of the supernatural moments that God has given us. When He said Ecclesia, He says, I'm building my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The power of God will not prevail against the gates of uh, my church. The gates of hell can't withstand it. So right now, we're in Ecclesia. Right now, we are gathered together in the name of Jesus, welcoming the Spirit of God. Hallelujah! So we need to get right on the edge of our seat. Some of you may even need to sit up on the edge of your seat in anticipation for what God wants to do, is doing, and going to do here in the next few moments. Praise the Lord. He is worthy, He is worthy, He is worthy of all praise and all glory and all honor. Amen. Amen. Now you know, God does not want us to forget the power of His Spirit. God does not want us to forget His presence. He doesn't want us to forget the supernatural manifest of His presence. So much so that He set up a feast that we would never forget. And this feast went on for thousands of years so that we would would be primed for it. That we would go back and look at the shadows and we would look at all the types and the wonders that were pointing to the, the, the fullness of the coming of the Spirit of God on this earth like happened in Acts chapter 2. Actually, Jesus, even right at Acts chapter 1, is recorded in telling us, He said, but tarry in Jerusalem until you've been endued from on high with what? Power. With power. You will receive power after that, that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and come in you. Hallelujah. And now we've got this feast we continue to celebrate. It's this Sunday, the birthday of the church, that is a feast of Pentecost. Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit of God came to dwell in us, to work through us as Christ did, so shall we do by the same presence and power of the Spirit of God. Even greater works, Jesus said, we'll do after the Spirit of God comes and dwells in us and flows through us. So what we've got to do is we've got to do make sure we don't quench the Holy Spirit. We've got to make sure we don't squelch the Holy Spirit. Squelch the Holy Spirit means to silence. It means to to turn its power down, to to not allow Him to do what He's wanting to do. So it lets me know that the Spirit of God is a gentleman. He's not going to force His way through us. He's not going to force Himself on us. He's not going to force Himself to flow through us. So we've got to participate or cooperate with Him. So I'm going to do a little teaching this evening on the Holy Spirit and us welcoming him, and then I'm going to say, let this teaching of the Word of God cause our faith to rise so that we can have a closure in here like we've probably not had in a long, long time, where we've got some Holy Ghost, powerful manifest of heaven on earth, laying on of hands, folks just moving in the anointing and letting the gifts of the Spirit flow and letting us just, just have church here. Tonight, See, I'm already spitting all over this stage. Praise God, I'm preparing you for it. Brother Harry, you're almost in the zone. Amen. So just put up your Oh, keep okay, moving. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because the person and work of the Holy Spirit is probably one of the most profound and distinctive revelations in the whole Bible. It's through the Holy Spirit we can receive a knowledge and a power that we cannot receive any other way. Well, I mean, one of the supremely most important revelations in the Bible is the nature of God. And we, as we study the nature of God, we see that the Bible unfolds this mystery that we could never know through any other source, the mystery of God, which is He is both one, but He is plural. I mean, it's a mystery. The Bible says that God is three persons, yet one God. We see it in Genesis 1 that in the beginning when God, the Bible says that God, and then there's a singular there, but then He speaks, and as He speaks, he's, and, and now as He's speaking, it's a plural verb. So we see that the, the Trinity of the Godhead is even in the very beginning of Genesis. And, and the three persons are revealed throughout the Scripture. He is the Father, He is the Son, and He's the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. We're not going to dissect the Holy Spirit and make out as though that's some weird it or thing that He is God. Come on now. So we're going to deal tonight with the Holy Spirit as we're leading up the Pentecost Sunday because we're Pentecostal people. Look at somebody say, did you know you're Pentecostal? Go ahead and just ask, did you know you're Pentecostal? Well, you better be. If you believe in the whole counsel of God's Word and Pentecost Sunday and Pentecost is a part of God's plan, then you need to go ahead and say, yes, Lord, I'm open to your Pentecost movement of your Holy Ghost because you are the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. So first we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is indeed Himself a person. He's not this static electricity. He's not this goosebumps on your skin. I'm telling you, when you're touched by His power, you may get goosebumps, and you may feel a shock greater than static electricity, but that's not the Holy Spirit. He's not this nameless personality or force, as some people say. He's not just energy. He is not laughter. He is not a holy jerk or a dance. You know, all of that may be your response to the power and presence and the moving of the Spirit of God, but that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person just like someone sitting next to you right now that has personality, that has a will, that has emotions, that has moods and has desires. So is the Holy Spirit. He is the person, of the, a third person of the Godhead. And all the forms and, and all of the reality that we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wants you and I to know we can have a relationship with Him. So if you see Him as a force, you're not going to have a relationship with a force. If you see Him as goosebumps, you're not going to have a relationship with goosebumps. He wants you to see Him as a person. The person, the third person of the Godhead. He is relational. That's why we have to welcome Him. Just like if I came to your house and I knocked on the door and you opened the door, you'd say, hey, Pastor Tim, look, I just fixed the most amazing southern dish ever. Come on in. Guess what? I'm going to come on in and we're going to have dinner together. Praise the Lord. I'm prophesying over some of you right now. No, I don't need it. I don't need any dinner. I can promise you. But Paul, as he teaches about the Holy Spirit, he talks about koinonia is a Greek word that he uses a lot, which talks about the fellowship. That word means fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I pray that we are, each of us would get to the place where we would fellowship with the Spirit of God. Is that me making that noise? Okay, let me try to stop making that noise because I know it'll be all over the recording and everything. So so when we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit we see that he is a person in the presence of God here with us then we will allow him to come in and live in us and then not quench him or squelch him and let him flow through us so you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit so he's a person say the Holy Spirit's a person you need to say that because I know we get this weirdness about us, and when He begins to manifest, we begin to see Him as lightning or something, uh, a wind like a tornado or something like that. But this is God. He is God. Amen? And then because of human parallels, it's easy for us to realize that God the Father is a person. I mean, that's just easy. God the Son, because of human parallels. But boy, let me tell you what. The enemy loves to come in on this area, where God is the Holy Spirit and, and calls us because we, we can't see, we can't feel, but yet we can feel uh, to kind of spook us out. Don't be spooked out of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be spooked out over something, don't even be spooked out over demons. Cast them out. Resist them and let the devil flee. Don't even be spooked over them. But Don't be spooked over the Holy Spirit. You need need the koinia, you need relationship, you need fellowship. This is the power of God present in you. This is the wisdom of God present in you. This is the presence of God with you. Hallelujah. We need the Holy Spirit. So knowing that the Holy Spirit is God, that means that He is omnipresent, that means that He is uh, omniscient, and that means He is omnipotent. Because God is omnipotent, God is omnipresent, and God is omniscient. Now, what does that mean? Well, most of you probably know, but just in case you don't, omniscient means that God knows everything. God knows everything. You're not hiding a thing from Him. You say, Well, I'm, I'm just going to wall myself in over here, and this is my private little matter. No, it's not. God knows. God knows comes from the Latin word omni, from omnos, which means all or universally. So, And then the omni connected to the shiant, which is the Latin for the state of knowing, means that universally God knows everything. There is nothing outside of the knowledge of God. So there's no need to live your life hiding from God because He knows. He knows. And if the Holy Spirit is God, and He is, then the Holy Spirit knows all things. And He's also omnipresent. You probably know that very well. Omni, that all things again, present. He's everywhere at all times. Jeremiah said in 23, 23, And am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in a secret place so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? He says, I'm everywhere. He is saying that I feel the heavens and I feel the earth. There's no place where I am not. There is no place where anything that can happen that God does not know about. I love Psalms 139. I know it's 12 verse, uh, verses here, and I'm going to read them really fast, so you just follow along overhead, uh, because, but this is powerful. He says, O oh Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down. You know my rising up. You understand my thoughts are far off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go? From your Spirit. Or where can I flee? From your presence. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I were to make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand. Oh, I am so, so in love with the right hand of God. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide hide from you, but the night shines as the day and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. In other words, where you are, God, there is light. You are everywhere. There is nowhere you can go and hide from the Lord. No distance can separate you from Him. Maybe the enemy's been trying to tell you recently that because of some circumstances or maybe how you're even feeling that you're far off from God. You're far away from God. And God is saying, that's a lie. I'm here. I'm near. And if you'll welcome me, I am in you. I'll touch, I'll bring light to your darkness where your sorrow is. I'll lift it with joy where there is that which is hidden. I will expose it and where there is weakness, I will strengthen it. If you'll just invite me in. Hallelujah. So here God is everywhere throughout the universe. He's not too far away. He's not on vacation. He is here. If you will welcome him, he'll come in. And the key to that, I believe, unfolds the secrets of this Psalms 139, uh, this ver- uh, chapter is verse 7. Verse 7. Look at it. Where can I go from your spirit? From your spirit. From your spirit. Holy Spirit. Where can I flee from your presence? Very, very common in Hebrew poetry where you will have this uh, duplicate. It's it's a Hebrew Hebrew poetry where it says the same thing with different words and, and brings that parallel to you. So he says here, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? Because your presence is your spirit and your spirit is your presence. So when we say, welcome, Holy Spirit, we're saying, welcome, presence of the living God in me, in this house. Christian embassy, we say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, presence of God, fill this place and fill each and every one of us in this place. Praise God. So the Holy Spirit is God. And the very nature of God is that He is omniscient. He knows all things. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. And the Bible says that the nature of God is that He is omnipotent. Now, if omni is that Latin word that means all are universal and potent is power, that means He has all power. Hallelujah. God has all power. And if the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is here, right now with the presence of God in here, we have access to all power. Right now, not next week, not the hour later, but right now, the power of God is here with the presence of God. We need to be aware of that. We need to have our faith rise up that we can reach out and embrace the power of God, that we can embrace the knowledge of God, that we can embrace the presence of God in our lives even now. Let somebody say amen. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, And if you were to read that in the original Greek, it would have uh, an arrow pointing back to that spirit to make it uh, not to be duplicated, but to understand that if He's not given us a spirit of fear, He has given us a spirit of power. How does the spirit of power come? By His presence. By the Holy Spirit of God. So God has given us The Spirit of power. He has given us His Holy Spirit. We need to embrace Him. We need to receive Him. We need to tap into this power. We need not to live beneath the power or outside of the power. When the power is in us, the power is here present for us, we need to have faith to receive it right now and begin to operate in it in Jesus' name. I pray miracles would manifest not as a rarity, but miracles should be the regular part of the people of God that believe in God, that in praise God in his presence and his power because the power of God does not have limitation there's no budget to his power you don't get on your deathbed before you call out on the power for the power of God we need to learn to start flowing and operating in the power of God every day of our lives Romans 8 and 11, he says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through what His Spirit who dwells in you. Come on now. So we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in us by the presence of God Himself. I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit's been active on this earth since before creation. This isn't isn't an anomaly. This isn't some new thing. This isn't some wave of charisma that took place maybe in the 70s. Let me tell you what, the Holy Spirit is not the new, latest creation of the explanation or the manifestation of God. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit's been here all along. Psalms 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. How were the heavens made? By the word of the Lord, right? But that's not the end of the story. And all the host of them by the breath, that word breath, ruach in the Hebrew means spirit. So by the spirit of His mouth. So here we see If you take this English translation, uh, which it literally means breath, out of breath, meaning literal, the spirit, okay? So these two great agents of creation that brought the whole universe as we know it today came from the Word of God and came by the Spirit of God. So the same Holy Spirit, we just said, welcome, Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that took the word of God and brought, made forth the manifest through his power here on this physical earth. The sun, the stars, the heaven, the earth, the ocean, the animals, the trees, and even everything. And God, when He created us out of the clay of the earth, He then breathed His Ruach. By His Spirit, He breathed life supernaturally into us and that which was not became man, the living creature that God made us to be with a living living, living spirit. Amen, an internal spirit. Genesis 1-2, you see it right here. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. What, what was there? What was there? And the Spirit, Ruach, there it is. There He is. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Hallelujah. There was light. When we, His Word went forth, the power and presence of God's Spirit here on this earth made it manifest. Let me tell you what, all we need is a word from God and to be open to the Spirit of God so that when the Word of God, we come in agreement with the Word of God and we hinder not or quench not the Spirit of God, we can can say the Word and the Word will manifest. Do you see what I'm saying? Because God created us in His very image. His Holy Spirit. Now, this Spirit of God hovering, hovering is funny. He's using that word hovering there. A rakah. Don't you, you feel like you're mad when you say rakah. You know, it's the Hebrew word. But it really means to grow soft, to relax, to hover. And it's used in De- Deuteronomy 32 and 11 where it says, an eagle stirs up her nest fluttering or hovering over them. There's that, that rakah. So it's not a, it sounds like a hard word, but it's really a soft feathers, the belly of the mother hen or the belly of the, 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 the female eagle bringing her little ones close to her, suggesting a bird. I believe that's why we see Throughout the Scripture, as the Holy Spirit has made many times reference, He came as, not He was a dove, but as a dove. Remember even Jesus, when He was baptized by John the Baptist, the Bible says that uh, a, a dove came. The Holy Spirit came as a dove. Not the Holy Spirit is a dove, but He came as a dove and, and sat upon Him. And God spoke from heaven and said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Here you got the Trinity right there. you got Father speaking. you got the Holy Spirit represented here as a dove. And you got the Son being baptized in the... The water. So we see this heavenly dove. So when you see a dove, that's not the Holy Spirit. Let's not become all supernatural. I mean, not supernatural. Let's not all become... Uh, <laughs> what, would you, what would be a good word? Superstitious, right? Where we, we say, oh, there's the Holy Spirit, there's the dove. Let me tell you what. If you limit the Holy Spirit to just when you see a dove... Then you have just violated the very truth of God's Word. And you bought a lie from the devil, and you think you'll never have the Holy Spirit unless a dove is present. Come on now. And the Holy Spirit is God, He's omnipresent. He's all places at all times. Hallelujah. So you don't have to wait for a dove to show up. The Holy Ghost has already showed up. He is already present. He's right here, ever present, right now. If you need Him, you can reach out and receive from Him anything and everything that heaven has to provide is yours in and through His working right now. Hallelujah. All you need is the Spirit of God and the Word of God to bring forth the manifest on earth, the will of God. Amen. Did you get that? All you need is the Word of God and the Spirit of God to bring to manifest on earth the Word of God. Hallelujah. So we need to see this is uh, how we walk in our daily lives. Otherwise, we super spiritualize the Holy Spirit. He's an it or a thing or, or a movement or or when the service is just vibrating. Oh, that's a Holy Ghost service. I'm telling you what, you walk in this building by yourself and it totally silent in here and there's as much power in here then as it is if there was 500 of us jumping up and down, dancing and shouting and jumping around. Maybe to jumping around to get somebody's faith excited and stirred up and get you a little heartbeat going and get you out of the zone of near dead, okay? And And bored to death, okay, that might help you, but it's not helping the Holy Spirit because He is who He is all the time. Ephesians 3.14 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, and that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might. That word might is dunamis. So to be strengthened with dunamis, that same where He says it in Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, dunamis. So He's given us the spirit of dunamis. He has given us might through His Spirit. Is that what it says up here? That He has given you might through His Spirit. Where? In the inner man, the Bible says, so that what? Let's look at what the power of the Spirit of God comes in us to do. So that, number one, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you can be born again that you who were on your way to hell and had no way to redeem yourself, putting faith in Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit of God, you can take hold of eternal life. You can take hold of the presence of God coming in and that which was as red as crimson and and as uh, uh, darkened and stained as wool could be made whole, could be made, made white as snow, could be totally turned around. Hallelujah. Thank God for salvation. But it also means that anything that we're going downhill into the destruction of that which the enemy would have, we can be turned around and taken back up into the fullness and the plan and the will of God that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Number two, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. You can say, I'm going to will myself to love. I can will myself to love. You can't do it. But let me tell you what, you can get rooted and you can get grounded in the love of God. I'm talking about an agape love where you start loving without strings attached. When you have a, a heart of forgiveness and a heart of grace and mercy like, that you weren't born with, and that you, comes from you being rooted and grounded by the supernatural presence of the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit. If this is true, and it is the more full of the Spirit and operating in the Spirit and flowing in the Spirit and charismatic in the Spirit as people are, they should be the most loving people on planet earth. Those who play church and scared of the Holy Ghost should be some of the meanest Zealous, some of the meanest Pharisees, some of the meanest Sadducees, some of the meanest religious folks on planet earth. Because they're trying to operate in a kingdom that they're not rooted and drawing from the source of power to operate in, which is the spirit of love. I know none of you have ever met anybody that ever has been a part of a church that has been mean or mean-spirited. But I can tell you what, if you have, it's because they are not flowing and functioning and open to and receiving the Spirit of the living God in and through them. Because Paul says right here that when you allow the Spirit of God to dwell in you and flow through you, He roots you and He grounds you in agape, in love. And he goes on to say that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. He said the Holy Spirit in you is going to help you understand and comprehend the width and the length and the depth and the height of God's love for you. And as you understand the love of God for you, you're going to be able to be opened up to let the love of God flow through you. When you see how expensive the love of God really is, when you see the expanse and you see the reality and you see all how deep and wide it really is, all that the, all that we here at Christian Embassy would get would, would, would see a different depth and a different height of the love of God that would that would change us, that we would come up out of our prayer time, that we would come up out of our quiet place and we would go into this world with such a charge of God's love by the power of His spirit that we literally changed the world. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, with the Spirit of God, the power, the dunamis of the Spirit of God in you, he says, he will help you to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That word know, genisco, is to be, means to know by experience. Do you hear what I'm saying? In other words, that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit in you and flowing through you will help you experience not just know in your mind but experience the wraparound the warmth of God's love that's why we as Christians can go through things on this world that the world says I don't know how you're still standing I don't know how you're still holding your head up I don't know how you still have a smile on your face I don't see how you're still walking I don't see how you're still talking I don't see how you're still even talking about Jesus but when you have experienced the love of God by the power of the Spirit of God it changes you from the cellular structure out and no matter what comes against you, you keep getting back up and say, my God reigns. My God lives. I'm not turning my back on my God. Hallelujah! For He is the greatest of all that I have in my life. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know it very well. For I know. God says, I know. Yada, I know. I know. I want you to know by experience the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. God says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. My plans are not to harm you. My plans are that give you a future that you hope for. Hallelujah. And then he goes on here in the latter part there, he says by the presence of the Spirit of God in His power, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now I can't give you a description of what all that means. But I'm telling you what, if you are filled with the fullness of God, then people are going to experience God through your life. They're going to the people are going to be touched by God through your life. People are going to hear from God through your life. Things in your in this world are going to be changed because you're walking with the soles of your feet, carrying as a vehicle the very presence of God. You will be filled with all the fullness of God. I say, God, fill me. I want to be filled with the fullness of God. I want to live my life in such a way that I am a a candlestick that is letting the light of Jesus and the love of Jesus and the power of Jesus and and the presence of His Spirit go before me everywhere I go. Then he tells us in verse 20, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly above, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's the context of the power of the Spirit of God that we welcome in us remember we started with that he said now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask according to that power that works in us to him be glory in the church by christ jesus to all generations forever and ever amen he said this is how the next generation and the next generation and the next generation are going to know god We say, oh, if we can just get the smoke and we can get the the manipulation of the music and we can get, we can get the goodies feeding them, we can get the activities that are exciting and we can draw us a crowd, we can win the next generation. That's not what the Bible says. Now there's nothing wrong with having fun and there's nothing wrong with popping a little fog if you want to and shining your lights if you want to reflect the glory that the Bible talks about that reflects from the, that 12 stone as they praise God that, that that kaleidoscope of God. There's nothing wrong with that but that's not what's going to win the next generation. He said, What's going to win the next generation is when the people of God, full of the Spirit of God, quenching not the Holy Spirit, will allow God to flow through us, rooting us in love and letting His power and His demonstration of might and glory manifest through us. That is where the next generation is going to say, God is real. God is real. And I want us to be a church that raises up the next generation not because we've got the best curriculum in us per se, but because we are walking, talking, full of the Spirit of the living God where the power of the Holy Ghost is not quenched and the miracles of God are flowing uh, and the manifest of the power of God uh, is a regular part of us gathering together in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In studying the Old Testament, you see that the Holy Spirit inspired and empowered all the men and the women of God that He came on. The list is just too long for us to deal with here tonight, but let me just give you a couple examples to help build your faith. There was Bezalel. This was a man who was uh, designed and created all the furniture of the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle of Moses. This is this gifted man. But look what the Bible says in Exodus 31, verses 2 and 3. He says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, the, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom in understanding what is the holy spirit he's all knowing he's all wisdom everything so with the spirit of god in him now comes wisdom and understanding and knowledge of all manner of workmanship so here's a man carving all of this intricacies of everything that god had said about to be in the ark of the uh, in the ark of the covenant in the tabernacle but he's doing it tapped into a knowledge that is beyond his knowing By the presence of the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit of God filling him, the Spirit of God giving him this craftsmanship. Joshua was another example in Deuteronomy 34 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the Spirit, which brings wisdom. For God had laid hands on him, so then the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Joshua became this great military leader who conquered the promised land because he was filled with the Spirit of God. This is Old Testament. Look at Gideon, Judges 6. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The the who? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the abiturites gathered behind him. So the Spirit of God came upon Gideon to make him this mighty leader. You remember, he didn't didn't start out a mighty leader. He was a hiding coward. But the Holy Spirit in a hiding coward becomes a mighty leader. What are you hiding behind? Why are you scared of the Holy Spirit? He is the one that will call you. He is the one that will empower you. He is the one that will give you the wisdom and the knowledge. And He's the one that will position you to fulfill the purpose you have here on this earth. We need to become purpose-minded, saying, God, I want to fulfill the calling that You have on my life. And if You've called me, I know You've provided the wisdom and the knowledge and the provision and the power needed by Your Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, I need You. Fellowship with You has to become so primary in my life. David, the great king and warrior and psalmist. Psalms 23, verses 1. Now, these are the last words of David. Here he is. Last words coming out before he dies. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man that was raised up on high, the anointed anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. Here's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and His word was on my tongue. What you heard me say that you're going to be reading, millennial, millennial down the road, you're going to be reading That is wholly inspired, he says, it came from the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord was on my tongue. So here again, we got the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. You look at all the prophets in the Old Testament. Well, look at what Peter says about them in Second Peter one twenty one. He sums up the whole ministry of the Old Testament prophets by saying, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So here we are looking at example after example, and there's so many more throughout the Old Testament. We conclude that all the men and all the women of the Old Testament, they served God effectively, and they did so through the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I believe that should send a message to us here tonight in this New Testament church. That if they were unable to do it without the Holy Spirit, we're no better than they are that we today need the Holy Spirit more than ever. Hallelujah. So these great two agents of creation that brought the whole universe together, the Word and the Spirit, and when they were created, I mean, when they were united, creation took place. We teach the Word of God. In our classrooms, we teach the Word of God. In our Bible studies, we teach the Word of God. When we gather in here, we teach the Word of God. We've got cases of Bibles so that everybody that wants the Word can have the Word of God. We've got the Word of God. But let me tell you what, it creation and throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament and the plan that Jesus said going forward after He ascended on high was that we need the Word of God, but we also need the Spirit of God. And where the Spirit of the God and the Word of God come together in unity, the creative forces of heaven, the manifest of heaven takes place here on earth. Hallelujah! Now that's simple, but that is profound. And that is something that we need not only be hearers of, but we must be doers of. That we've got to take the Word that we know, but we've also got to let the Word that we know be inspired by the Spirit of the living God. We need not quench Him. We need to say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit. We need to have koinia, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We need to go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, you will receive power after that. You receive the Holy Spirit. I ask you tonight, are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit using you as a conduit for heaven to flow into this earth and for the power of God, the will of God, and the presence of God, and the anointing of God to flow into this earth? Are you grounded and rooted in the agape love of God by the Spirit of God? Are you tapped to the wisdom of God to know beyond your knowing and to be able to make decisions based on not the facts that you see before you, but because of divine inspiration and knowledge that God gives you? Are you doing that? Or are we going word only? We need you, Holy Spirit. We say, well, the Holy Spirit wrote, inspired the Word of God, so if we got the Word of God, then he'll come along with, he's, that's enough of the Holy Spirit. But we see the distinction throughout the Old Testament. We see the distinction of, even in, when Peter, and the, they were praying in the upper room, and the, there was a sound that came from heaven as a mighty rushing wind and tongues as a fire set upon each of them. And they began to speak. They began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave the utterance. And now Peter stands up and preaches and pre- preaches the Word of God Inspired by the Spirit of God and lives are changed. And a church's birth that here over 2,000 years later is still growing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have access to the supernatural with the Word and with the Spirit. And the Spirit is not an it. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is the presence of God here with us. The power of God. The wisdom of God. The anointing of God with us. So the devil says, well, I've really got to come in here and confuse them over this issue so that I can keep them divided and keep them spooked out, superstitious. This thing of tongues. Why tongues? Well, why in redemption did God choose blood? Why in baptism did God choose water? He's sovereign, that's what he chose. If He wanted to use the blood of a spotless lamb to point to the blood of His Son Jesus Christ that would come without sin to shed His blood to wash our sins away and cleanse us, let me tell you what, He's God. So God chose tongues. And tongues is us participating with the Word of God by the Spirit of God. Now as you study tongues, there's, there, there are maybe three functions of tongues, maybe more, but I see three basic functions of tongues in the New Testament teaching. There's evidence that one has yielded to the Spirit of God, been filled with the Spirit of God, and anointed with the Spirit of God. We see evidence of that in Acts chapter 2 where they begin to speak. They begin to speak. They begin to speak. The Holy Spirit didn't yank them up and, and, and put His hand up through their skull and into their jawbones and start moving like a puppet their mouth. They begin to speak. But this power was beyond their language of learning and the prophet talks about restoring that pure language what was that pure language it says restoring a pure language that is without fault without a defect it was probably the language that Adam and Eve had with God in the garden before sin and when Satan came in and sin came in there, that wasn't a pure language anymore there was corruption in our language it cursing in our language but the prophet says there's a day coming when God is going to restore a pure language. And that pure language is not Greek. That pure language is not Hebrew. Because I've studied Hebrew, and Hebrew has some impure words in it. And I've studied Greek, and I've studied Latin, and they all have impure words in them. But let me tell you what, there is a language that comes from heaven. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That is without fault. It is without stain. It is without curse. It is nothing but the release of the blessing and the favor of God who knows the plans that He has for us, not to harm us, but to prosper us and to bless us and to help us and to heal us and to lift us up. Hallelujah. So on that day of Pentecost, when they begin, they begin to speak. And this was the the evidence that they were filled with the Spirit of God. We see later on in Acts chapter 10 when they came and said, Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And they said, We don't know what you're talking about. And they said, Have you spoken in tongues? They said, No, we have not. We've been baptized by the whole, we've been baptized in water, but he, they prayed for them and they were baptized with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And I see another function of tongues, and that's a prayer language. And, and we see throughout the scripture this powerful prayer language that God gives us. And it's a prayer language, a pure language that I, my, my soulish realm does not understand what is going on. My physical man does not know what is going on. But my spirit man that's been born again by the supernatural presence and power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of God and the spirit of God, there is communication in purity in my prayer language that I don't need to know. And there ain't no devil in hell can interpret it either. It is warfare that the enemy does not know. They cannot decode it because this is a language of the angel. This is an angel, a language from heaven and God. Let me tell you what. And, 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 and the Bible says that when we, we pray that way, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 4, he says, when you pray in the Spirit, it edifies you. And that word edifies means it builds you up. It reconstructs you. The the, the storm came in and knocked some of your timber down. But when you're praying in the Spirit, it builds you back up. A circumstance in life knocked you down. And it's like a hard thing to deal with. But when you begin to pray in the Spirit of God, all of a sudden you start getting back up. And you're walking in a strength that you didn't know you had. And you're operating in a joy that you didn't know you had. And you're moving in the power that you didn't know you had. Because it edifies you. It builds you up. Hallelujah! We need to welcome the Holy Spirit. And then there's the gift of the Spirit. We read about in 1 Corinthians 12 about the gifts of the Spirit and one of them is is us uh, uh, praying in tongues or speaking in tongues with interpretation for the unbelievers that are in the house. Now all of us with our little bit of learning would say when we bring an unbeliever in we want a cool, come and collect service. We want it to flow smooth. If sisters shout a lot, we don't want her to shout a lot. And if brother run, dance, and knock over the chairs, if he's here, we don't want him to dance. Don't let the music get to the beat that's going to cause anybody to act out of war. Because we got unbelievers here, and we want to show them how country club cool we are. So they can come here and not feel any conviction or anything God says I'll flip the script he said the reason they're here is because they've been out in the world and the world has abused them and the world has hurt them and the world has stolen from them and the enemy has tried everything he can uh, to pull them down and hold them back and all that what they don't need uh, is another smooth cool experience that has no power what they need to see is that there is a God and there is a power that can break the chains uh, that there is a God and there is a power that can set them free from the bondages that they're in, that there is a God and there is a power that can save them and bring them out up from out of this condemnation and all of this curse that the devil has brought upon them. What they need to see is a hand of God moving mightily in and through the people of God. You want to see souls saved? Welcome the Holy Spirit. You want to see chains broken? Welcome the Holy Spirit. If you want to see lives changed, I'm here to tell you we've got to be a church that welcomes the Holy Spirit it can't be done by manipulation it can't be done by reason it can't be done by just preaching the word alone it takes the word and the spirit the word and the spirit oh God help us to see our need to welcome you Holy Spirit welcome Holy Spirit Welcome, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah.